What if the way you've been telling your life story reveals the secret to what is holding you back? Stories play an integral part in how we see not only ourselves, but the whole world. Stories are more than just an important part of communication. They also reveal hidden aspects of our inner talk, which can either support us or end up holding us back from the very things we want most in life without us even realizing it. Join author, mindset coach, and award-winning singer-songwriter Carrie Rowan on her show, Look for the Good, every Monday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. when she shares nuggets of wisdom from her internationally best-selling book, Tell a New Story, Five Simple Steps to Release Your Negative Stories and Bring Joy to Your Life. Carrie's powerful stories and compelling guests will empower you to change how you look at your own life while giving you some powerful tools and tips you can use every day to help you feel better and move yourself closer to the life you've been longing to live. Hello and welcome to Look for the Good. I'm your host, Carrie Rowan on Dream Vision Syndicated, Dream Vision 7 Radio every Monday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. And I'm so excited that you're here listening. And as you know, you can listen online on your mobile device, in your car, or ask Alexa to play Dream Vision 7 Radio. To learn more and for a full schedule, go to dreamvision7radio.com and evolve with us as we unite humankind in universal love. Hello, Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here today. I have a wonderful special guest, Holly Ruth Finnegan, that I'm going to introduce in just a second. Hello, Holly. She's waiting in the wings. <laughs> and before we get started, as you know, we talk about stories here on Look for the Good, right? And how do we look for the good in life? How do we adopt that mindset and that attitude? That is so essential to our happiness because as we know, the brain is so beautifully predisposed to find what's wrong. That's the way we're all wired. And I think it's, it's like a breath of fresh air when you realize that we're all the same in that, right? Because sometimes good things will happen. And then all of a sudden the mind does its little job where it starts reminding you of the things that are wrong. And you go, wait a second, time out. Why am I doing that? And we all do that. So you can lay rest assured and lay back and relax because it's not just you. But here we share tips and ways to make that easier for yourself. So it becomes your knee-jerk reaction. So we're not reacting out of that reactive mode, if you will. We have a moment to really sit and create some space within our bodies where we can choose how to respond to life. And as you retrain your brain and you start retraining your brain to look for the good, that's what it starts to look for. But it takes a little bit of structure on your your part, right? You've got to set up that morning routine like we talked about, that non-negotiable morning routine. And once you become aware of those little stories, those little tiny insidious ones that hang out in our heads that we don't normally share with other people because they are filled with shame usually and or embarrassment, there's a lot of different things. In our, that's why our stories are so important. They're like a little microcosm of our lives. So when you can start to wrap your arms around that and realize that half those stories you're telling aren't even true and they start to bubble up, you start to catch yourself. You start to say, hey, wait, that's not who I am anymore. Hey, wait, that story does not serve me anymore. And that's exactly what we're here to talk to with Holly today. And I can't wait. Let me introduce you to her. She is an author, a meditation leader, and a chakra healer. Holly is a writer and a digital entrepreneur whose heart work is to help humans reconnect to their spirit through the power of breath, meditation, and self-love. Holly is a healer with her words and through the power of authentic relating, vulnerable storytelling, and a great sense of humor. She's able to get people to see things from a higher point of view and remember why they came here. I love that state. I love that statement. Hello, Holly. Welcome, welcome. We're so happy to have you here and look for the good. Oh, Carrie, thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here today. Well, I'm glad that you could make time out of your um, beautiful island life that you have there. Holly lives <laughs> on <laughs> the Gray Lady, Nantucket, uh, aka the Gray Lady. Um, and I love oh, yeah. that. Chapter one. Yeah. Chapter you know, one. <laughs> For this gray lady, because a, a dear mutual friend of ours connected us who has a home on Nantucket and her home is aptly titled Just Breathe. So I'm very grateful for that friend who put us together because she knew that we would be instant friends too. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Shout out to our friend Linda. And I'm so excited. There's just so much to talk about because I feel like our lives and our work is, is really synchronistically connected. Um, and you sent me this book, and we're going to talk about your book, um, 
wholeheartedly. Let me show everybody because if you're watching on video, you have to see the cover because it's absolutely stunning. It's gorgeous. Um, and this book is really, it is your heart and it's your heart. It's your sharing of your vulnerable stories. And it's also a guide to other people, right? It, it gives other people permission to share their true stories and their true heart and their true selves. Thank you for seeing it like that. I love, I have actually your book right next to my book, like the friends <laughs> that they are sitting here. So I uh, I feel you on all the words being super healing and super connected. And also that, you know, once we tell our story, once we get something off of our heart, that creates so much more space to start some new stories. So I'm, I'm really grateful that this book is out and that I get to talk about it and start making new stories too. I love that. I absolutely love that, the way you sum that up. And so wholeheartedly, why did you name it wholeheartedly? Share with us a little bit about your thoughts behind that. It's a beautiful story that you shared with me before. Oh, thank you. So this book is actually a trilogy. It's wholeheartedly is the trilogy. And this book is entitled The One You Want to Find is You. And wholeheartedly, to me, if you look it up, it means without a doubt, right? So wholeheartedly, without a doubt, this is my story, this first chapter of it, at least. And the one you want to find is you. Well, I saw that on a billboard in Venice, California in 2016. And I took a photo of it uh, on Abbott Kinney Boulevard. And I really just loved it. It said the one you want to find is you on a sandwich board. And I posted it to my Instagram. And my sisters, when I posted it, were like, wait, Holly, that looks so much like mom, my mom, who had passed wow. over a couple of years before, right next to the billboard walking. And I was like, oh, cool, this little treasure hunt that I kind of feel like my mom has been, uh, I don't kind of feel like I know my mom has been on me uh, to get this book out for a long time. Because wholeheartedly, while I was writing the story, it had something to do with writing, like, you know, W-R-I-T-E. Uh, write and write, R-I-G-H-T, writing another story. There were two of those things. And the last words my mom ever said to me was, Holly, did you write something? And when I shook my head, she said, don't worry, you will. So there's always been this, you know, thread in me that knew that there was something I had to weave with my words. And that's what this book turned out to be. You just gave me a whole body chill when you were saying that to me, because I just felt that deeply. And that's so beautiful because we often have somebody like that in our life. That's our inspiration, right? And I, I think I shared with you that my father used to say a very similar thing to me. He would call me when my kids were really small, you know, 14 months apart and ask me, Carrie, are you writing? Are you writing? And I'd be like, dad, I'm barely getting a shower. <laughs> Never mind, am I writing, right? <laughs> but to have, we don't realize it at the time because sometimes it can even feel annoying, right? But it's mm -hmm. such a gift. It is a gift to have that little voice in your ear, whether it's coming from above, it's coming, you know, my dad passed away too. So obviously I don't have that voice from him, but I do have it as you did with your mom. We have those reminders, those serendipitous moments where we're like, mm-hmm, yep, I'm oh, yeah. doing <laughs> what yeah. I'm supposed to. <laughs> my mom used to, um, she'd always say, writers write mermaid. And I'd always feel like she was judging me, like when I was bartending or had these other gigs here on the island. But I yep. think she was just always reminding me that, you know, no one was going to do this job of writing for me. So that in that similar way with your father, that inkling, like no one else can do this for us. So you got to do it for yourself. And you got to make sure when you're putting that story out there, you know, that it is just for you. And if other people read it, well, what a gift, you know, but really getting this story out of my heart was really just you know, something I had to first and foremost do for myself. Mm -hmm. Amen. And I feel like that's where the healing is, right? And the deeper you can go into your heart, the deeper it goes into the message that people are receiving, because it's the same thing with writing a song, writing a book, right? The deeper I go and share that vulnerable thing that happened that I wish didn't happen, right? The, the thing that hurts the most is where the most beautiful art comes from. Totally. I heard someone once say, uh, the worst things that happen to you oftentimes become the best things that ever happen to you. So that constant shift of that extremism of this is the worst thing that ever happened to our family, this story in this book, or was it the best thing? You know, is it ultimately later on kind of what you realize is what woke everybody up or even more so helped everybody heal for generations, not just this one, but many before too. 
I love that. The healing, the deep healing of generational work. Exactly. And this is something that gets passed on. Your trilogy gets passed on to generations and generations. And yeah, that's, that's a really, really beautiful thing. It's your legacy that you leave behind someday. And, but at the same time, it's an active legacy because all the family gets to surround it and heal with it. And again, when that happens on that deep exponential level and and I feel like it's just start spreading. And then when you have other people who pick it up and read it because they're drawn to what your book has to say, you know, that's where a lot of the magic happens. That's how this, you know, storytelling has been our mode of communication since we were cave people drawing on caves. Totally, totally. And, you know, my book is a treasure hunt itself. So for anyone out there, when Carrie was talking and when you were talking about this, like, idea of a guide, it's like each chapter is a guidepost in a spiritual awakening. So the way that it's set up is that it, it's meant to be like a prayer. You can open the book and open to any chapter and see if that question at the end or the title of a story or the chapter image, like, resounds with you and kind of flip through that way. I I don't feel like women's lives are very linear. I don't Feel like many life is really understood in a linear fashion. So this idea of kind of weaving in the past and the present and childhood and adulthood, middle school years, and, you know, even just early adulthood years, like, I really love to take the stories and almost throw them all in a washing machine that people are reading with me. And then eventually, I always say to them, you know, if you read it, eventually, everything connects. But in the beginning, it may feel very random, but there is nothing random about the way the book is set up. It's set up to set you into the washing machine and then in the end lay you out to dry. Oh, I love that. And that was one of the things that it was really drawn to when we first started talking is the way you laid this book out um, is really unique and beautiful. And I love, I just love it with each of the chapters representing, like you said, another piece of their life, another piece of the puzzle. And then it all sort of comes around again in the end. And that is a really, really beautiful. That was so well thought out. Well, you and I have a lot of connections with both of our books in the way that we understood how to use online and offline technology. I know in yours, you had the QR codes for people to scan and continue to follow along on the journey in new ways with your book, right from chapter one as well. And in the back of my book, I have a partnership with something called Flow Code Technology, which then I don't use anybody's names in the book, none of the places or teachers or even the posts that I'm talking about. I don't call out people in certain ways, but in the back of the book with the flow code and the flow page. Pages. You can scan any of them for any chapter. And it's kind of like I kept all the receipts. You can understand every story, know that it happened, follow me around on my Instagram travels around the world, or even meet my teachers in Bali and New York and beyond. And you can also, you know, find out a little bit more about all the humans I'm talking about because I really wanted to respect people's privacy in the book, but also give people a way to keep the treasure hunt going and find out who I was talking to at the end. It's like a new footnote to me. Oh, I love that. I love that. Again, so using technology to our advantage, but yet still keeping, you know, still having a book to hold in our hand, because I, I, I would, I would fully miss that. As much as I love Audible, I do love holding a book. And, totally. if, you know, I feel like you learn so much more about the author that way. So tell, I love the story and you brought up your teacher from Bali. Share a little bit with us about that, because that is such a profound thing. And, and I just feel like there's so much transformation in just hearing your experience. Yeah, transformation is definitely a big part of the book. You know, when I talk about my bliss, Holly's bliss in part three, it starts with that transformation of unbecoming all these things that I thought I was so that I could go back to these two really important questions that I started to write to myself around who am I and why am I here? And knowing that, you know, I couldn't Google the answers of that because believe me, I think I tried (laughs) in the beginning. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, really what happened, Carrie, was that I had a um, I had open heart surgery in uh, January 8th of 2018. And during that surgery, which is, it was something I always knew was going to happen. I've always known that I was eventually going to have to have this hole in my heart repaired. But what happened for me during that time was I started to not just crack myself open and heal from the heart, but I started to really open and expand in like a heart chakra way and the heart chakra being this, you know, energy disc in the body that was healing it within me all around unconditional love and balance and, you know, really working on the main obstacle for the heart, which is grief. So I had to really feel the loss of my mother from 2014, because I had over busied myself for about four years, especially on the internet, um, from my mom's passing and until my 
heart surgery. So during that time where I started to get really quiet and I started to write less for other people and write more for myself, because on a side note, I was one of the first bloggers on Nantucket to really take social media by storm and really become an early adapter to social media marketing. So I told everybody what to do on Nantucket for five years and, you know, really did it in a way that was very avant-garde and different. And so I was this disruptor in the media world, but the real disruption that I needed was that of slowing down and looking at myself instead of looking at everybody else in their life and their stories and their vacations and what they wanted to do and beautiful photos of rose-colored cottages and beautiful images of, you know, rosé on the beach, whatever. It was that <laughs> I had to stop with the spirits and go into my spiritual life and really look at myself and attune to, you know, the disconnect that I had with myself spiritually. So my teacher, um, his name is Punu Singh Wasu. He uh, is out of Bali and Switzerland, but I met him in Bali, which was where I was starting to really do my healing process after heart surgery. And uh, he asked me the question that changed my life, which was, what is your relationship with your parents? And it was one of those simple questions, Carrie, that I had no idea how impactful that one question was going to unravel lifetimes of trauma uh, because I had a lot of grief with my mother who had passed on and I had a lot of beef with my father who was still here. Right. And mm. so I had this real tough uh, push pull inside of me where I really wanted to be present and love my dad. And I really wanted to let my mom go and like kind of get rid of some of the trauma and stories that she had passed down through me. Uh, but at the same time, I also had to do that process of healing my parents, not through this book, but through my actual work, you know, uh, Brene Brown says it, I think best where she says something around that she doesn't um, write about things that she hasn't healed internally, you know. Mm -hmm. And so for me, there was a five year process of getting this book out into the world, because I had to do the work alongside my family to heal a story that is very, it's known now because it's actually, you know, in the news and whatnot. Um, but it was a story around childhood sexual abuse and sexual trauma with my mom's second husband. And that was uh, really laid dormant in my family for the almost 30 years. And so it was a really traumatic uh, experience to have to keep within not just a nine-year-old child, but also within my 20s and 30s of myself as well. So I have to give so much credit to my teacher, Punu, for all of the blessings that he instilled in me to waken my heart, but also give so much credit to my parents, my dad and my stepmother, Terry, and my sisters, Christina and Sana, my brothers, Jackson and Brendan and Anthony, and all of our family that had to go through this healing with me as we brought accountability to the sexual trauma that happened in 1993. Wow, that is huge. And I, and I mean, for you, I, and I love the fact that you embraced that thought of going in there and healing, right? That which hurt us the most, as we were talking about earlier, and bringing forth um, all those feelings in our heart and the way that you have created a whole system, a whole chakra system to help other people to step in and kind of peel those layers back, right? And 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 it was created out of something that you did for yourself. That to me is is truly profound and where the best and deepest healing comes from when we do it ourselves first. Totally, totally. When you and I were about to talk, I have an oracle deck that I created from my book. So it's all the stories and that like basically I can pull a card and the card I pulled for you and I was the solar plexus chakra. And when we go back to the solar plexus chakra, we go back to what you were chatting about right before we started, which was letting go of the main obstacle of shame. Mm -hmm. So in that solar plexus, that is one of the hardest as I have seen it in, in this world to let go of the stories of shame and the story of shame that I just spoke to you, you know, out loud, you know, very quickly and maybe a little bit more eloquently than I did. I could not have gotten through that story without either crying or having a um, almost panic attack or some sort of feeling that I was doing something bad by speaking it, you know, so mm -hmm. that ability to get over the shameful stories around sexual abuse in childhood is um, really, really powerful as an adult to be able to look you in the eyes and have that story and not feel shameful about it. Absolutely. And that that's a beautiful thing to, to be able to share your vulnerability. And 
You mentioned Brené Brown, and I'm going to bring her up again because she talks about, and I quote her in my book as well, it's those little shame stories, the ones that we are too afraid to share with anybody else because we they're just so awful in our own minds, which is which have blown them up, which usually they are in a lot of ways, but it's when they hit the light, right? Because in order for shame to live, it has to have secrecy and darkness. And when you bring those stories out into light in such a beautiful way, like you have, then the shame can't live anymore. And I think for people, if they hear anything today, it's that, it's that moment that you bring it out into the light that it can't live in shame anymore. And it's almost like, it's like permission to be free, right? Totally, totally. Freedom, my favorite F word. I love that. You know, it's like, <laughs> where does freedom come from? You know, when I'm in the book, I right before we get to the solar plexus chakra, which is called the, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on your show, but it's called the blank truth. Okay. But this, uh, you know, poopy truth, let's say, <laughs> right before that, that uh, chapter starts, there's one last line in the chapter freedom, which is, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And to get to freedom, to push through shame is to understand and literally practice forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So the Ho'oponopono forgiveness meditation is part of the main chapter title, chapter 18, wholeheartedly, which is when I had to work through forgiveness to get to the freedom, to get to the other side. Absolutely. I love the whole Ho'oponopono. I practice it all the time. It's so powerful. So powerful. And if you don't know what it is, you're just going to have to get Holly's book so you can read the freedom chapter. And it is, right? It's so simple. (laughs) It's just so simple, but yet it's so profound because it brings in that full taking responsibility for ourselves for even be able to stand up and say that we can forgive somebody, right? Because that's, I think there's a misconception about forgiveness and people, it's not advocating or it's not, it's not a permissing the behavior. Forgiveness is for Mm -hmm. us, right? It's that old adage about, you know, drinking poison and expecting it to hurt somebody else when we hold on to our grievances, right? Totally. Um, The words, yeah. The words of forgiveness. It's like literally, I am sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. Those words are all so powerful. I am the power of I am using that mantra in front of anything is uh, where the whole spiritual awakening starts. Amen. Yes. It just always reminds me of Wayne Dyer when I hear the I am phrases. He was a lot, he talked a lot about that. And it, and that's why when people say the I am stories, I want to catch them really quickly because the I ams are so powerful, right? I mean, I am is starts back in, in biblical verses. They talk about I am and just how powerful that is when we can embrace the new story of who we are. Um, it can change our whole life. And everybody, we're going to break for a minute here. I think it's a perfect spot. I know you're hanging on by her every word. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Did you know 73% of employees are considering leaving their jobs and almost half of Americans fear being laid off in the next year? That's a lot of fear and anxiety mulling around the office. In today's environment, employees need easy-to-use tools and strategies they can count on when the atmosphere is making them feel less than productive. To find out about proven ways to help your employees turn their stress into success, go to carryrowan.com and sign up for a free wellness consultation for your company today. Are you a hardworking business owner or nonprofit? Do you want a bank with a neighborhood feel that you can truly trust? At Webster Five, our mission is to support local organizations and the people who are building stronger communities every day. Webster Five has a true understanding of the issues facing businesses and nonprofits. From day-to-day processes to long-term funding, our business banking team offers expert guidance and a unique set of tailored solutions. Visit web5.com to find out more. Webster Five, member FDIC, member DIF. Ever notice how your brain automatically focuses on what's wrong in your life? Ever wonder why you find yourself telling the same old story about yourself over and over again? Tune into this high-energy show with author and mindset coach Carrie Rowan to find out how to retrain your brain to look for the good every Monday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. 
Carrie uses powerful storytelling, easy-to-use tools, and inspiring guests to exemplify how a simple shift in perspective can bring miraculous results. Join Carrie on a journey into your own transformation that will leave you feeling inspired, empowered, and ready to find the good every day of your life. Are you tired of feeling stressed and stuck? Did you know that the stories we repeatedly tell can be the very thing that makes us feel worse about our life? In her best-selling book, Tell a New Story, host and author Carrie Rowan shares the five simple steps to release your negative stories and bring joy to your life. This is not your average self-help book. It's a joy to read and it's interactive with QR codes for meditations, original songs, and how-to videos at just the perfect point in the story, which makes transformation easy and at your fingertips. So if you're ready to go from humming a sad song about your situation to finding your voice and whistling a new upbeat tune as you skip along with joy as the new soundtrack of your life, then get yourself a copy of Carrie's highly acclaimed book today. Go to CarrieRowan.com slash book to get your copy now. That's C-A-R-R-I-E-R-O-W-A-N. Hey, beautiful listeners. Are you tired of the fast-paced life and want an easy way to help you find your calm? Then head over to the new Look for the Good Marketplace. It's chock full of hand-selected books, great classes, calming music, and special readings. All you need to help you move closer to a life you're tickled pink about. Just visit CarrieRowan.com and click on the Marketplace tab to find just the right item to soothe your soul today. That's C-A-R-R-I-E-R-O-W-A-N.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Look for the Good. I'm here with special guest Holly Ruth Finnegan. We're talking about her book wholeheartedly. We're just talking about forgiveness and the deepness of some of the prayers that you talk about in here, the Ho'oponopona, and how when we forgive, it's really for ourselves, not so much as the other people in our lives. And it's freedom. We talked about that. You know, in your book, one of the things that I, I really was drawn to are the exercises at the end of every chapter. And I feel like, cause I do the same thing in my book and I feel like it's one thing to just read it. It's a whole other thing to apply it that moment when you've just read it in your life. Share a little bit with the listeners about how that works to help people really awaken to their own stories. Yeah, I have to give a big shout out to a dear friend of mine, one of my early readers. Her name is Jenny Johnson. She's a television personality and a sorority sister of mine from college and one of my dearest friends over the last 20 years. But after she was reading my book, she was kind of like, you know, could you put questions in between each chapter so that people could do some self-reflection? And I was like, ah, good idea. You know, that self-discovery part of the book is something that I've always been super drawn to in other people's books. So uh, at the end of every chapter there is questions or a question uh, to help evoke and awaken something inside of the reader. So let's say chapter eight, because I just pulled that card while we've been talking and chapter eight is the mother, right? Because this is where it all starts, really, Mm -hmm. you know, really, it always comes back to that mother, the mother wound or whatnot. And uh, the mother one is, uh, how would you describe your mother? It's just the question. How would you describe your mother? loaded question how would you <laughs> totally. describe her? right so here we go so that question how would you describe your mother brings and evokes so much of the energy of like you know maybe in the light and we describe her in these ways that were like oh my mom was the best she was she was so selfless she gave to everyone else all the time and then it's kind of like huh let's look at the shadow side of that my mother was so selfless so she was literally without herself And she gave to others all the time. She never received, right? So when we say that about women, when we say those kind of stories about their mother or their mother describing your mother as so selfish and she gave to others all the time, generally speaking, what I have found is that that comes from a mother who's avoiding herself or who is also just not in an ability to even see herself clearly. So that idea of how would you describe your mother can start to evoke so much uh, energy out of a person, whether it be the light or the dark, right? Because I don't know, Carrie, if you were to describe your mother in two words, could you give two to me? In two words? Um, selfless, for sure. And loving. 
Yeah, beautiful. Unconditional love, right? That is the mother of us all. The divine energy of the divine mother is just unconditional love. That's what we come from, right? Mm -hmm. So that idea of like really toasting to our mothers of the love that it takes and the ability to bring life into this world, the nine months that they house us in our first home, their womb, the first sound of anything that we hear is their heartbeat, right? It's like there's so much in that space with that mother that we are so connected to them and we are literally feeding off of them. So mm -hmm. if the mother is not doing well or not taking great care of herself, well, that child is also in that space of not maybe doing so well or not getting very cared for or nourished properly. So looking at the mother wound is always one that's that's very can be very triggering. I always <laughs> carry whenever I'm at a book signing, I always um, write, here's to our mothers, right? Right before I sign it. And I always ask the person across from me, I say, what's your mother's name? And they're like, wait, what? I'm like, what's your mother's name? Because I write, <laughs> Carrie, what's your mother's name? Carolyn. Carolyn. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if it was you, and I'd say, here's to our mothers, Carolyn and Ruth and Ruth being my mother and Carolyn being yours. So I take that time to really bring the energy of the mom. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people get very turned off by that immediately. And it's very interesting for me because then it goes back to that mother wound where I'm like, okay, this book is maybe going to help you, or it's not going to maybe be the first thing that you want to pick up on your bedside table before you hop into more Netflix kind of thing. And I get it, but healing the relationship we have with our mother heals all the relationships in our life. And so if you heal that primal relationship, forgive and move forward from anything that might be hindering you, that is what starts the shift. That is what starts us to wake up into all of the other relationships that may also be needing of healed. Because as one of my teachers says too, Carrie, he says, if you, uh, as long as you're in a human suit, you'll have things to work on, mm. right? It's so, so true. Not like it's, it's not one of these things and then done. So it's then never I, done. you know, one of my other, one of my other favorite chapters is on uh, chapter 16. It goes into the third eye chakra, right? Like awakening from the third eye. And the question at the end of that chapter is what clarity did 2020 give you? So mm, that idea, another hot spot pandemic and around that, right? What, what clarity did it give you? And I'm asking you because you're here with me right now. What clarity did 2020 give you? What did it, what did it do for you? Well, I, I see a lot of silver linings because of course that's the way I work. But in 2020 is when I launched my book in July of 2020. And mm -hmm. so clarity, it was huge clarity for me because I didn't intend to do that, but it was the pandemic. So I thought, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep moving forward with my plan because apparently this is what the world needs. And that was my clarity. I love that. I love that. And so happy third year, by the way, to your book this July and July 2023, as we get to celebrate you and the three years of your book coming out. I mean, uh, three is also another thing that I love to talk about in the chapter called The Warrior, which is the crown chakra chapter, mm -hmm. where I talk about um, how this mentor I have, this beautiful woman, her name is Joanne Burnham. She owns uh, with her husband a place called Dharma yoga here on Nantucket. And I launched my book at her space in January. And she talks to me oftentimes about three years, okay, and how uh, analogy to things succeeding needing three years. So she uh, uses it as a sowing of a seed, right? So she says, the first year, it sleeps. The second year, it creeps. And the third year, should it be successful, it leaps, right? So you're wow. in your leap year right now. So in that kind of moment of like really sowing your seeds and nourishing them and being okay with the fact that it's not like an instant gratification, giving yourself three solid years to like let something marinate before maybe it quote takes off. So that's also been really impactful for me is really having patience and less mm -hmm. pressure for something to hit immediately. It's okay. If it doesn't, it's fine. It's, it's on its own track and you can't force the growth. It's going to happen organically. I so. love that. That's that's so powerful. And uh, that's exactly how it has gone with my business. And so anybody listening to that, I love what you said about the patience, because that's what it takes when you launch a book, you're putting your heart out there. And it just, it's a lot to bring in, you know, you're asking people to step into their vulnerability and step into those stories that they don't necessarily want to share. And so as you just sat there, right, and boldly shared your story with us, it's a beautiful thing. And I think the more people start to unwind those stories, and I'm sure you see this in your work too, Holly, the more they are willing to just hold that story and take a look at it and have patience with themselves if they're reacting to that story, 
until they can look at that story and start to say, hey, that story, it served a purpose. Because I don't know about you, but I see that a lot of people will often become a little agitated or angry with themselves. Why Why do I keep telling this story? Why have I been telling this disempowering story when they start to realize it? But the beauty mm-hmm. is the self-compassion that it takes to do this work, to be able to look at that story and say, hey, you know what? All stories served a really, really higher purpose. And it's an honorable purpose. So we honor the purpose that the story told, but we don't have to hold on to it anymore. We can rewrite that story and change that story. That's what I love so much about this work. My, uh, there's another teacher who I worked with here on Nantucket. Her name is Michaela Grace. And she had a school of consciousness here that she opened called Grace Line right after I had, um, had my heart surgery. And she used to talk about telling a story three times and I write about this in the book and you the first time you tell a story it's to release it and the second time you tell that same story it's to understand it and the third time that you tell that same story if you ever tell that same story again it's to gift it and the issue that we find is that people release and understand and release and understand and go back in between releasing and understanding and they never get to the point of looking for the good of gifting it, right? And so that loop, that vicious loop of release to understand to gifting is what at least I've found with this book is what I was doing is really getting the gift out of me and getting the present out of me is, you know, the big magic of Elizabeth Gilbert talking about reaching down and pulling it literally out of you. It's always been within you, but realizing that if I was going to keep telling these stories, then they better be to gift it to other people so that they can benefit from it as well, instead of hurt me by just continuing to retell that same story. Absolutely. And I feel the same way about my stories. It was hard for me to tell them for for quite some time. In my book, I talk about it as polishing your pearls, right? I mean, I have to look at all the grief that I went through, um, but I wouldn't have my first full-length album had I not gone through that. And we're not saying, of course, we like that or that we wish that it did happen. Of course, we wish it didn't happen. Of course, I wish those two people in my life that I lost so close to each other were still here, but it's within that and owning that and feeling that grief and writing in my morning pages and rewriting and turn into a, a, a beautiful poetry, which turned into a song, which turned into a full length album. And without going in there, those are the pearls, right? Life throws us the gross, slimy oysters, never mind lemons and lemonade. We've got oysters. You got to dig in there get your hands dirty, look for the pearls. You can find the pearls, but then you got to polish them up, right? Because they're all in there. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and then that pearl becomes a gift that you hand to somebody else. Um, And that's exactly what you've done with this beautiful book of yours. Thank you. I'm a, my, my, birthdays in june and june's uh you know i think it's june's jewel it's is a pearl so i'm uh grateful to have that as uh as i just turned 40 actually last week so uh it's a nice transition as i go into you know what is also really special which i would love to leave your listeners with is this is this idea of a renew year so i don't look at mm-hmm. january 1st as my new year i look at july 1st as my renew year so my calendar goes from july first until june 30th and i look at it because one i always feel way better in the summer than i do post christmas in the dark of winter of Mm -hmm. this kind of vibe new year's kind of you know feelings that can be a little dark anyways so Mm -hmm. i love starting fresh on seven one and also it's this idea of starting this like new chapter in a time in life where it's not what everybody told you like this is when you celebrate it's like no i'll celebrate whenever the hell i want to and right now i want to start it on (laughs) july 1st because why not you know and why not start fresh this month and why not try to you know i think people talk about dry january's like all the time that they don't drink during january you know i think try it sounds a lot better try a dry july see what that looks like because you know it's (laughs) actually a lot more difficult to see what summer drinking habits are than winter drinking habits. And I read a lot in the book about spirituality and spirits, you know, and in the summertime, especially on a celebratory island like Nantucket, where I live on, uh, it's very easy to get caught up in a uh, toasting, cheersing, boozy lifestyle. And I did that for a long time. And what alcohol does for women, I believe, is that it kind of dulls their magic. And so I really think if you look at your relationship, one of the questions I ask in the body um, in chapter five is what is your relationship to spirit? And what is your relationship to spirits? Mm. So you really look at the 
two of those things. What is your connection to drinking and what is your connection to your breath? Uh, and that's where it all starts again. Like, cause really the last question in the book is, do you love yourself so much? You can't stand it. This idea <laughs> that you love yourself so much that you will sit in yourself and bathe in yourself and be kind to yourself and only hear your own voice and only, you know, listen to the sound of your breath and remind yourself that you are not alone. You're all one. And that idea of like really awakening to yourself and really loving yourself so much that you'll sit and meditate, then that is really what self-love is. And when we talk about this self-love movement and people are like, I want to love myself more, well, then meditate more, then mm. figure out breath work, then be alone, then be okay with not scrolling or listening to things all the time or watching TV or just filling space and time because you have it. Get really comfortable with being alone and in your own presence. And the greatest gift that you get back from that is self-love. Absolutely. That is so beautifully said. And that's the thing with meditation. You know, a lot of people, I think, resist it because it is, it's the slowing down. You also mentioned being too busy, which is totally a problem here for all of us. We're addicted to that. And so can you sit? Can you make your body sit? It reminds me of Dr. Joe's work, right? Can you, can you tame that animal within you that wants to get up, go check something, check your email. You got to do this, go to the bathroom. Oh, now I'm hungry. You know, control that it's like training a dog right you got to learn you teach it to just sit there and to be with yourself because once you start you you won't want to stop it's the starting i think for most people right holly you find it's the, like sitting totally. down and doing it's like it going for a run you know it's getting back on the pavement you know a lot of people they get into such a groove with it right and then they get out of the groove and then they don't want to start again because they know what that's going to look like and it takes integrity and it takes patience and it takes dedication. And it takes these words that, you know, can seem kind of daunting at first, but it just takes everything day by day. You know, you don't have to just start saying, I'm going to meditate every day. It's like, no, just find five minutes mm -hmm. in the morning before mm -hmm. you, uh, if I can give anybody a tip, I would say, and again, I'm not here to shame anybody because that's not helpful. Um, but I will strongly, strongly, strongly urge any listener to do their best to not keep their phone plugged in next to their bed. I think that is one of the most toxic toxicity. I think that's the toxicity yeah. mm -hmm. of coming and having somebody else tell you how your day starts before you start it. Mm. So you're in my bedroom right now, right? Cause this is where we're having it. And mm -hmm. I have this really fancy little, uh, you're seeing it little alarm clock, <laughs> right? $8 plus a battery, you know, best thing I ever bought. Right. It gets me. Oh, I need my phone. It's my alarm. No, it's not. It's not a no, good alarm. Not. Yeah. No, yeah. it's not. It's not good to have that, all that, that um, light in your eyes before you go to sleep. Terrible for you. And never mind the scrolling. Yeah. No, I totally agree. It's, hey, we're going to break. A, it's a bigger topic. Yeah, it it's a great topic. We do a whole show on that topic. I'm right there with you. We're going to break for a quick minute for another word from our sponsors. Don't go anywhere. Come right back to listen to more from Holly. Hey, beautiful listeners, are you tired of the fast-paced life and want an easy way to help you find your calm? Then head over to the new Look for the Good Marketplace. It's chock full of hand-selected books, great classes, calming music, and special readings. All you need to help you move closer to a life you're tickled pink about. Just visit CarrieRowan.com and click on the Marketplace tab to find just the right item to soothe your soul today. That's C-A-R-R-I-E-R-O-W-A-N.com. Are you a hardworking business owner or nonprofit? Do you want a bank with a neighborhood feel that you can truly trust? At Webster 5, our mission is to support local organizations and the people who are building stronger communities every day. Webster 5 has a true understanding of the issues facing businesses and nonprofits. From day-to-day -day processes to long-term funding, our business banking team offers expert guidance and a unique set of tailored solutions. Visit Web. 5.com to find out more. Webster 5, member FDIC, member DIF. Are you tired of feeling stressed and stuck? Did you know that the stories we repeatedly tell can be the very thing that makes us feel worse about our life? In her best-selling book, Tell a New Story, host and author Carrie Rowan shares the five simple steps to release your negative stories and bring joy to your life. This is not your average self-help book. 
It's a joy to read, and it's interactive with QR codes for meditations, original songs, and how-to videos at just the perfect point in the story, which makes transformation easy and at your fingertips. So if you're ready to go from humming a sad song about your situation to finding your voice and whistling a new upbeat tune as you skip along with joy as the new soundtrack of your life, then get yourself a copy of Carrie's highly acclaimed book today. Go to CarrieRowan.com slash book to get your copy now. That's C-A-R-R-I-E-R-O-W-A-N. Are you ready to consistently be in the flow of success? Build an abundant business, easily find your right clients, and feel good inviting them into your community to do business with you? If your answer is yes, then you want to listen to Business Success with Human Design with Nancy O'Keefe on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network every Thursday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Business Success with Human Design is a podcast designed to help you peel back the layers of who you've been taught to be and how you've been told to do business, moving you from overwhelm to a business model that aligns with your authentic self and feels right for you. Come and explore Human Design for Business with Nancy. Did you know 73% of employees are considering leaving their jobs and almost half of Americans fear being laid off in the next year? That's a lot of fear and anxiety mulling around the office. In today's environment, employees need easy-to-use tools and strategies they can count on when the atmosphere is making them feel less than productive. To find out about proven ways to help your employees turn their stress into success, go to CarrieRowan.com and sign up for a free wellness consultation for your company today. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Look for the Good. I'm here with Holly Ruth Finnegan. We're talking about her amazing book, Wholeheartedly. And the one you want to find is you. It's you, my friend. So, we just left off. We tapped a little bit into our phone relationship. Tell us what that question is. We're talking about chapter seven. I even have it highlighted in my version of the book because it was so important to me. Tell us what the question yeah, is on that chapter. Yeah, the internet chapter seven and wholeheartedly is definitely the one that I think uh, even my editor, Carrie, who is 82 years old here on Nantucket, right? And so she's an amazing woman and very spiritually sound. And it was beautiful to have the book edited by a woman of that generation so that to make sure that that it could really cross generations Mm -hmm. as people read the book, that somebody who was 82 would have just as much as somebody who was 42 or somebody that was 12, you know, and 12, I don't really know if there's a lot of 12 years reading this yet, but that's fine. Uh, let's try 22. Okay. Let's say a 22 year old reading this book. Why it's so important right now is because, and she said this, my dear editor, Tracy, she said, the internet is the most important chapter in your book because it's the one where everyone doesn't realize they're a guinea pig. So Mm. when we start to attune to ourselves, this knowing that we're part of this chapter that uh, in the revolution called the internet, right? And when I was in this place called Doha, Qatar in uh, 2016, I was on a press trip for the first flight that was going from Doha to Boston. And Doha is where the 2022 FIFA World Cup was. So back in 2016, they were getting a lot of eyeballs on the area because not a lot of people knew of this kind of new Dubai in the Middle Mm -hmm. East. And while I was there, there was an Art for Tomorrow conference that was put on by the New York Times. And there was this art gallery owner, this woman on stage from LA, and she was talking about how no one was buying art anymore. They wanted to buy a flash drive of her favorite paintings, and then they wanted to flash the art up on their walls. So they, if they moved or they went somewhere else or they wanted bigger or smaller, they would never have to worry about um, losing the art or having to sell this art for a different size. So basically, they wanted her taste but they wanted it on a flash drive. And so what she was saying there is she said, we are in the middle of the beginning of an industrial revolution called the internet and the future will be very different. Mm -hmm. And I'll say that to you guys again, it's we are in the middle of the beginning of an industrial revolution called the internet and the future will be very different. The middle of the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. We're not even this thing. 
we may be a little bit more towards like getting in the middle of this internet thing right now, but we, this is such an early revolution. It's so revolutionary is that the most important thing for us to start knowing as we go into this chapter of the internet is that the apps and the internet that we spend the most time on have no female seated consciousness on the ground floor. So if you look at the founders of any of the apps like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, MailChimp, Google, LinkedIn, whatever, it's all men. Wow. It's all created with the masculine mind. So why is it right now in the world that we live in that women are the most affected by social media negatively? Well, there was no female seated consciousness mm-hmm. at the ground floor of this. So, of course, women are super affected because, you know, if a woman had said, hey, you know, that kind of a filter to make that woman look like kind of like really not who she is, but she looks kind of like a cartoon Barbie now. Um, But that's what you want us to show our face online to look like that. And then when people see us in person, they say, that's not what she looked like online. Well, I'm pretty sure women didn't make up those apps. I'm pretty sure the men started those apps and then women started using them. And then look what has happened. And I'm not saying that it's all one gender's fault. And this is not a, you know, she woman man hater club day. I'm not saying that. It's just recognize the knowing, the understanding that there was not enough women on the ground floor of this revolution called the internet. And now what do we do? Right. We can't change it. We can't, we got to tell a new story. Like you tell me, right. Like We can't keep telling that story. We got to gift that story. And so we need to one, have more women coding and doing the internet thing, right. Mm-hmm. Get more of these ground level. But we also have to start asking really, really hard questions that seem super simple. And the first one for the internet chapter is what is your relationship with your phone? And the second one for the internet chapter is, What is your relationship with social media? I love those. And two of those questions are massive relationship issues because you hold hands. We hold hands. I hold hands with my phone every day. It's a relationship, just like my holding hands with my partner Mm. or with my parent or with my pet or with my child, whatever it is. And speaking of children, the ones that are getting the most affected negatively by social media in the childhood realm are those that don't have proper boundaries around it because no boundaries were created with the internet. So of course, kids don't understand what to do with it. There's no boundaries around it. It's not like you're 18 and you can, you know, you get to go buy cigarettes and who even knew what that was mm-hmm. back in the day. But here's mm-hmm. the other thing. When some of these kids turn 18, there's going to be huge boundaries around children having internet usage, having a phone in front of them, an iPad trying to swipe up on people's faces when they meet them. I mean, it's like, uh, it, it's, you know, is it scary? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. If you say it's scary, it's scary. Or is it just a time of great evolution and a time of, revelation and a time for the women to come back in and help write this ship literally and in print and yeah amen i do i worry about this generation because they've lost a lot of you know i think i feel both ways about it i feel like it is our evolution in a lot of ways because they come already plugged in which says they're already developing right they're evolving but like you said where's the boundary where when we start to lose some of the foundations of who people are, which is communication like you and I are having right now, even though we are on Zoom, when those skills start falling off, that's what makes me worry. You know, when those essential skills of human communication are lacking, you know. Well, this is where, as I know you have children, right? And this like I have nieces and nephews that I am around, just be the change. Mm-hmm. Just be the change around them. You know, don't look down at the phone all the time. Don't have phones that at dinner tables or any place of meeting and greeting and connecting, um, mm-hmm. put things on silent, uh, really teach them boundaries with social media, understand to them that, that, you know, that it may have been triggering for you at some points as well, so that you don't just seem like it's, oh, I'm putting you up on social media because I love social media. And then 15 minutes later, you're talking with a friend about, oh, I hate this Instagram thing. It's terrible kind <laughs> of thing. But then you're taking photos of these kids and then putting it up on social media. It's like, what like practice what you preach yeah and in that sense we're in this very interesting time right now carrie where you know we are the role models for these 
for this next generation and mm-hmm. children are natural imitators. So let us, if we want to change these kids, well then change yourself, yeah. change your own habit. Model yeah. it. And isn't that what it's always been? That's never gone out of style. It always starts with the parent first. Um, and you know, I, I like no phone zones, my kitchen table. I'm very traditional when it comes to, we're going to have a family dinner together almost every night if we can. Um, but that's a oh, no phone right. zone, right? Yeah. It's a, it's one of those beautiful it. traditions. And every listener out there, you know, what does a no phone zone look like to you? You know, mm-hmm. is it only when people tell you that there is a no phone zone or can you create a boundary around phone and can you create a new story around how phones are um, accepted or unacceptable at certain places and teach that to the next generation, you know, yeah. and really honor like, you know, if you want to have a big party, hire a photographer. You want to have at my 40th birthday party? My family had this beautiful party for me and Aww. they hired a photographer. I'm so grateful. Why? Because uh-huh. then no one was on their phone at all because yeah. there was already somebody there taking the photos. Brilliant. So if you're going to do something like that, like invest into somebody else documenting it for you and then enjoy it because then you don't have to think about, oh, I've got to take all these pictures and remember this. It's true. It's it, The irony is when you go to like a kid's concert or something and your kid's up there on stage and all the parents are like this, they're not even watching the real connection the kid up there their aura the energy that's flying around the stage you know what i mean we're looking at the lens through our phones so it's it's really fogged up our lenses if you will you know and i feel like teaching kids mostly the value of learning how to unplug right that you got to disconnect to reconnect totally unplug it just like somebody's like it's not working unplug it see what happens all right unplug it plug it back in honestly you know the the greatest gift to be able to share this story and this time and this hour with you carrie is just to remind myself again the power of the internet is an amazing tool look what it's creating for us right now this beautiful opportunity to share our stories and then share it to the readership at large but then the other thing is i'm sitting here with you and my two books in my hands you know and remembering that for a long time before the internet this is how we connected, holding yeah. things, art, mm-hmm. words, whatever. It's all still there. Mm-hmm. Support your local library, support your local bookshop, support your local artisans and shop local on all of this stuff. You know, for me, I didn't even, I self-published. I, I didn't have a publishing house behind me. I marketed everything myself. I'm still self-published right now. Like, you know, if somebody picks it up, awesome. But it's also that kind of thing. Like I wanted to tell my story and I didn't mm-hmm. want to wait for somebody to tell me that it was, you know, the right check cover or the right, the right size. No, I love it. I love it. And it's mine. And it was a beautiful opportunity to do the work and love the work, you know, and and now that I've kind of have that behind me and I can start working on the next story and, you know, talking about that with you at some other point, it's such a gift. And until then I get this beautiful opportunity to share the story and the power of the internet like this. And I'm grateful every day. It's beautiful. Tell us a little bit uh, before we we jump off. um, Tell us a little bit, because you and I were just talking when we were offline for a minute about the power of the group, right? The power of bringing people together live in a group. You know, let's contrast that with being on Zoom. I mean, what, what, what clarity did 2020 give you, right? Like for me, it's like, you know, connecting offline is my happy place. Being with people in person is really, there's nothing that compares to that. I think we all could at some way or another, you know, not all we all, but I think we generally speaking value offline connections a lot further now that we've gotten back three years later into this new flowering of the heart that we're in right now in 2023. And uh, one of my favorite things here on Nantucket is that I lead meditation, um, two different places. Places, one called Monarch, the other called Mast. And I lead these bliss circles where we hold hands and breathe together and chakra clear. And it's awesome. And three years ago, holding hands and breathing together would have been illegal, right? So, uh, <laughs> so I'm grateful that three years we've leapt out of that. <laughs> and then also I, I made my book into a workbook. So that's been the other part is like really getting to do the work with other people. So soon there'll be a pre-order to buy the workbook alongside the book so that you can do the work and love the the work with me and you can, uh, you know, work on the workbook and then we can take it into group setting online and offline. And I have a series called the awakening series here at a place called mast, like I was saying here on Nantucket, mm-hmm. which is where I awaken the storyteller within. So helping people use this workbook to uncover their own stories and start to write their own stories and whether they're for anybody to ever see, or they're just for themselves, it's a beautiful way to, yeah, to do this uh, next chapter wholeheartedly together. I love that. And it's the power of the group, 
the hand holding, mm-hmm. the breathing together, and the synergistic effect that when you have a group, it's one of my favorite things to do, as I was telling you, is group coaching because of the transformation that happens within the group and all the people working together and then sharing and the vulnerability and the relationships that come out of that type of sharing are friendships that could the last best. for a lifetime, right? The best. Yeah. I love it. Just like this one. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been amazing. So tell us if they want to read up a little bit more on you, they can find you at your website, Holly Ruth Finnegan. Yeah. F-I-N. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Holly Ruth Finnegan, F-I-N-I-G-A-N, hollyruthfinnegan.com gives you a little bit of a taste of who I am. That same name, Holly Ruth Finnegan, is where you can find me on Instagram, where you can uh, tap into a lot of the arms that I uh, outstretch here on Nantucket and beyond. And for the most part, really, like I said, my, my best connections are just emails because I was a huge letter writer, you know, back in the day. I just <laughs> loved getting mail. So email to me is kind of that. So I'm Holly ruthfinnegan at gmail.com and i love hearing from people and i love connecting on this and you can find a link to pre-order my book um in the hollyruthfinnegan.com website and if you just want to talk or connect uh social media insane gram i like it once in a while for that it's it's fun to (laughs) connect like that and even more even more exciting to connect offline at some points as well Absolutely. And I want to come to one of your bliss circles there on the Gray Lady because that would be amazing. We'll get Linda to join us. Nice to have you. <laughs> Bring all that good energy. Thank you for the oh. bliss that you give us. Thank you so much. Thank you for the gift of coming on and happy belated birthday from all of us. And I know everybody's going to walk away with a lot of really amazing tidbits um, and some awakening for themselves. And And I just can't thank you enough for spending that time and just sharing deeply from your heart with us today. Thank you, Holly. Here is to the treasure hunt called life. I love it. And remember, everybody, it's never too late to live your best story. Take care. Be well. Thanks for tuning in to Look for the Good with your host, Carrie Rowan, best-selling author and mindset coach. Join us every Monday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. right here at Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. If you weren't able to catch an episode, no worries. Just visit our website to find all the archived episodes of Look for the Good on Demand so you don't miss a thing. And remember, it's never too late to live your best story. For additional resources or to find out about how you can work with Carrie directly, visit CarrieRowan.com for more details. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.